0: How many want to get a nugget tonight on how to serve the Lord? How many want a nugget on how to stay saved? Stay on fire for God. Amen. Everybody look up at this water up here and just tell me if you don't, in your own mind, if it's half full or half empty. Amen. It's full. Okay. Good answer. All right. When we look at something, it's the old cliche, the old saying, if you look at a glass, it's half full or it's half empty. Amen. How many are focused tonight? And what God's gonna do, Amen. Let's get our minds on the Word. Let's get our minds on the Spirit for a minute. If you look at that bottle and you say it's half full or half empty, you, what you're doing is you're looking at it with a perspective. Okay. The way you win in God with your walk is having a godly perspective. Okay. Looking at things in life the way God wants us to look. I, I'm always amazed at the song selection the things that people say in prayer, the things that people say at the offering time. It's always amazing how the Holy Spirit's just guiding all the way through and preparing for the message. It makes me laugh when I'm standing over there because no one knows what I'm going to preach, but the Holy Spirit sets it up, amen? So I want to talk tonight about having a godly perspective. In Philippians chapter 4, I want you to look at something. Verse 1 says, Therefore, my beloved, are you there? And longed for, brethren, my joy and my crown... So stand fast in the Lord, beloved. I implore Yodia and I implore Sintish to be one of the same mind in the Lord. What he's saying here is there's a little argument going on between two people in the church. And he's asking them to get in the same spirit. Amen. The same mind. Now, there's nothing new under the sun. People in church have times they don't get along, right? Because we're human beings. So he says, I urge you also, true companion. Help these women who just happened to be women. Amen. I'm sure that was an accident and a coincidence. Amen. Women are getting it hard tonight, aren't they? And, and labor with me in the gospel. With Clement also and the rest of my fellow workers whose names are in the book of life. Amen. Rejoice in the Lord always. That's the beginning of this perspective thought. Rejoice in the Lord always. And again I say rejoice let your gentleness be known to all men the Lord is at hand amen the Lord is at hand how many know that since the Bible was written and the New Testament was written the Lord has been at hand amen we know that his return is imminent amen the Bible says it can happen at any moment so the Bible is always Paul's always sticking things in there getting us to understand today's the day of salvation Amen. It says, be anxious for nothing, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your request be made known to God. He says, and the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. How many are with me so far? Now, this is key. This is where it gets to be real key. We are a product of what we focus on. If you are looking at this bottle tonight and you're, and you're saying, man, that thing's half empty, that's, that's perspective. You might be looking at the bottle and saying, that thing should be a, a, a bottle of Coke. You might be looking at saying, that should be a, a cup of coffee or whatever. Amen. Some people, if you gave them something, no matter what you gave them, it would not be the right thing. Amen. How many know what I'm saying? Because of perspective. Because of the way we look at things and every single day in our lives. Every day that we go to work, every day that we go to school, every day that we interact with people, Robert gave an example at the prayer time, we are going to run into people that are going to rub us. That We're going to run into people that are going to bug us. We're going to run into people that are going to frustrate us. We're going to run into people that are going to make us happy, that are going to give us joy. And, and how we handle every situation has to do not so much with the circumstances or, or the situation. has to do with your perspective on this situation and your perspective always say always i'm gonna ask you to say it again always can be good if you are looking at it through the perspective in god's eyes Hey, always, you can take any situation and turn it around for good if you're looking at it the right way. And Paul says through the, to the church of Philippians here, he says exactly how to do that in these, in these next verses. These are some of the best verses you can quote and read and meditate on in the Bible. He says, brethren, whatever things are true, whatever things are noble... Whatever things are just, whatever things are pure, whatever things are lovely, whatever things are of good report, if there's any virtue, and if there's anything praiseworthy, meditate on these things. Okay? So you have to find something praiseworthy praiseworthy you have to find something noble you have to find something lovely you have to find something good in the situation that you're in amen you might have to search but your mind says I'm going to make something good out of this bad or I'm going to make something good out of this negative or I'm going to make something better out of this good amen so we have to learn to have a godly perspective on things and the definition of perspective is simply how we look at a situation that's what perspective is so do you know what that means every single one of us have different perspectives every single one of us it just depends on you, you can't say well I want so-and-so's perspective or I want so-and-so's or I have so and so. No, you have your own perspective. And however you're looking at something tonight is how you see it. And how you adjust to it. And how you think about it. That's your perspective. But how many know God's got a way to think about things? How many know God's got a perfect way to think about things? And that's what we need to think about. So he's saying, look, you can, you can get bogged down by the negative. You can get, look, get bogged down by the, the things around you that are not good. But he says, don't think on those things. Think on the true things. Think on the good things. Think on the praiseworthy things, on the lovely things, on the virtuous things. On these things, meditate. Verse 9. The things which you learned and received and heard and saw in me, these do. And the God of peace will be with you. I don't know if you just read, read what I read, but God just gave a promise. If you want peace in your life, how many want to walk in peace every day? There is nothing better than peace. Money cannot buy peace. Amen? And, but w- what he's saying here is, okay, he says, the things you've seen and received and heard and saw in me, do them. And he says, you'll have peace. So one verse before, you go. Well, what do you want me to do? He just told you in verse 8. Think positively. Think on lovely things. Think on good things. Think on pure things. Think on praiseworthy worthy things if you are all day long listening to garbage music if you are all day long watching garbage posts on facebook if you are all day long watching soap operas if you are all day long listening to negative people it's going to be difficult for you to think positive and think pure and think lovely if you're filling your life with all those different things that are not lovely and pure and right amen So the only way to think pure and to think lovely and to think good and think nobly and of good report is to what? Focus my eyes on good things. Period. Saturate myself. Because in this world we live in, there's a lot of garbage. There's a lot of junk. There's a lot of negativity. You don't have to search for negativity. Negativity will search for you. So you have to wake up in the morning and say, God, I'm going to go through this day and I'm going to see this day the way you see it Regardless if I have a lot, regardless if I have a little, regardless if I have a fight or I have an argument, regardless if something happens at work, regardless if I wake up feeling good or feeling bad, it's not going to dictate my day because I'm going to focus on the good things that are you, on the good things that is my names in the book of life, on the good thing is that I'm saved, on the good thing is that the devil can't touch me, amen. I'm going to wake up and I'm going to focus on those things. Now watch let's finish this right here he says verse 10 but I rejoiced in the Lord greatly that now at last your care for me has flourished again though you surely did care but you lacked opportunity now watch these next two verses he says not that I speak in regard to need for I have learned in whatever state I am to be content I have learned no matter what the situation is I'm facing, I'm happy. I've learned no matter what I'm going through, I'm above that. Okay? And that comes from reading the Bible, that comes from s- filling your spirit with good things. He says, I've learned this. Now, how many know that le- learning takes time? Okay? Learning takes time. You don't learn anything overnight. And as you're getting saved, and you're, you're being sanctified, and you're walking out your salvation, you're learning how to handle things. And you're not handling things like you used to, thank God. You might not be handling things like you want to, but you're not handling things like you used to. Amen. That's a godly perspective is I may not be where I want to be, but I'm not where I used to be. Can can somebody say amen to that tonight? Amen? How many people I got in here tonight that are not where you want to be yet, but you're also not where you used to be? Amen? That's a good good thing to think about. I'm not the person I want to be yet, and really, none of us will ever be the people we want to be until we are in glory, because we're human. But, we can say i have come a long way i have grown i am not the way i used to be then he says i know how to be abased meaning i know how to have nothing and i know how to abound everywhere watch this everywhere and in all things that covers it everywhere and in all things so you know what we try to do yeah but but you don't know my situation. Oh, you don't know what I'm going through. Well, like I said Sunday, I haven't met anybody yet that had it worse than Job. And I haven't met too many people that had it worse than Paul. Paul gave his life to the Lord and spent most of his life either chained up, loosed in prison, or beaten. So I don't know if anybody in here is walking that walk tonight. I doubt it. So we, we if Paul can say, in everywhere and everything, I have learned to be full and be hungry, to abound and to suffer need. How many know we can do that too? And then he says, I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. How many know that verse already? How many, how many know that verse? Almost everybody in the world knows that verse, even people that aren't saved. But we don't understand that he said that word. Sometimes the, the powerful, known, memorized verse we hear, We don't realize what came before it. That sounds cool, right? I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. It just sounds cool. We don't realize that he's saying that after he's saying what he's been through. Okay? And we can say, oh, I can do all things through Christ that God's going to help me on this test. Or God's going to help me at this job with this person I don't like. Yet Paul's saying that in chains. Amen? All right. Well, you are a lively bunch tonight. Perspective. The way a person looks at something. I've given this example before. This is, this is how Goliath was able to defeat David. Perspective. Do you realize it wasn't as much David's strength? What? Did I say that? Oh, good. I'm glad to know you're paying attention. That's wonderful. Praise God. All right. David defeated Goliath. Amen. Amen one of the reasons he defeated Goliath was because of his perspective. We know he was smaller. We know he was younger. We know he was unlearned. He was he was out in the fields. Goliath was a mighty warrior, somebody who knew how to fight, somebody who had de- defeated and killed lots of people. But why did David defeat Goliath? Why was he able to say, hey, First of all, something came upon him that we all need, which is called a little fire of the Holy Ghost, amen? We need a little fervency in us, a little fight in us. How many need some fight in you tonight, amen? On a Wednesday night, we need some fight, but not flesh and blood fight. I can beat a giant fight. I can defeat the devil fight. So he said, I'm not gonna let this man talk to my people like this anymore. So that was part of it. But what everybody was saying is, nobody can beat Goliath he's too big he's too tall he's too wide he's too humongous he's too strong but David in a perspective that I want you to get tonight said he's so big I can't miss see the difference everybody talking about how big he is and David's saying hey I got a big target that if I throw hard enough I'm not gonna miss and that's perspective that's looking at a situation different than everybody else when you see somebody and i asked you at the beginning of this service if you want to be an overcomer and if you want a nugget you want to make because this really comes down to i know this is corporate we're at church tonight and we had corporate praise and all these different things but i just want to remind you tonight just in case you might have forgot that none of us are going to stand together at the judgment seat of christ I just want to remind you that. We're not going to come up as a team holding hands and saying kumbaya, amen. We're not going to be like, hey, God, here we are. Victor World Outreach, Denton, Texas, judge us. Not going to be together. We're going to be individually judged. So in this place tonight, there's some who really want to overcome. There's some who are trying to overcome. And there's some who are still just realizing, I need to get in this fight. Amen? Everybody's in different places. But those that overcome and those that walk victorious and those that are going to finish the race are those that have a godly perspective. Somebody who knows how to th- look at something in a different example. And I want to read something uh, to you tonight that will give you, again, the perspective. How many know that we said this uh, in discipleship with the men, that we talked about paradoxes. We talked about how God does everything exactly the opposite of how the world does it. He does, he, for example, if I want to live, what do I have to do? If I want to get, what do I have to do? Amen. How many are following that? If I want to be exalted, what do I have to do? humble myself. That's God's kingdom. God's kingdom is exactly the opposite of exactly what we would do if we were doing things. And so God decided to change the world, not through amazing angelic beings, or through the best preachers in the world, or even through people who had it all together. Who did God decide to use? A bunch of misfits, a bunch of messed up people, And that's what gives us hope tonight, amen? We understand that he he went to the lowest of the lowest. And I want to read something, again, to get you thinking about the right perspective. This was a letter that was written to Jesus when he was uh, by by a consultant group, amen? Dylan's, Dylan's working on some consulting right now. You help people make good decisions. It says, to Jesus, son of Joseph and it was made out to the wood carpenters carpenter shop sorry Woodcrafters carpenter shop nazareth 25922 okay that was the address i found this envelope from 2000 years ago dear sir thank you for submitting the resumes of the 12 men you have picked for managerial positions in your new organization all of them have now taken a battery of tests And we have not only run the results through our computer, but also arranged personal interviews for each of them with our psychologist and our vocational aptitude consultant. The profiles of all tests are included and you will want to look at them very carefully. As part of our service at Jordan Management Consultants, we want to make some general comments for your guidance as you start this amazing organization. As an auditor, we'll include some general statements. This is given as a result of staff consultation and comes without any additional fee. It is the staff's opinion that most of your nominees are lacking in background, lacking in education, Lacking in vocational aptitude for the type of enterprise you are undertaking. They don't have the team concept. And we would recommend that you continue your search for persons of experience and better managerial ability and proven capability. Simon Peter, for example, is emotionally unstable and is given to fits of temper. Andrew has absolutely no qualities of leadership. The two brothers, James and John, the sons of Zebedee, they place personal interest above company loyalty. Thomas demonstrates a very questioning attitude that would would tend to undermine morale in your organization. We feel that it is your duty to tell Matthew that that he has been blacklisted by the Greater Jerusalem Better Business Bureau. And James, the son of Alphaeus and Thaddeus, definitely have radical leanings and they're both registered a high score on the manic depressive scale. Of your candidates, Jesus, however, one shows great potential. He is a man of ability and resourcefulness. He meets people well, has a keen business mind and has contacts in high places. He's highly motivated, ambitious, and responsible. We recommend Judas Iscariot as your controller and right-hand man in your enterprise. All the other profiles are self-explanatory. See the perspective? Look at how the world would look at the 12 disciples. The one who turned his back on Jesus and, and traded him in is the one that they would have said, that's your man. And the ones who did something mighty for God were the ones who didn't have much of a resume. Is anybody else in here tonight thankful that when it comes to being saved, sanctified, and used by God, God does not look at us the same way that the world looks at us or the same way that other people look at us, but he looks at us through his eyes. He looks through a, at us through a godly perspective. I don't know about you, but I am very thankful. Philippians chapter 1. If you go back just a couple chapters. I want to close tonight by telling you a couple of views that we have to have. And it's just two. And we're going to get to that in just a second. Philippians 1. You there? Verse 18. What, me, what then? Only that in every way. Whether in pretense or in truth. Christ is Preached. And in this I rejoice, yes, and will rejoice. Tonight, how many are just determined to keep preaching Jesus? How many are just determined to keep staying the course? Regardless of what this crazy world does. I'm going to stick with Jesus. That's what, that's what Paul is saying here to the Philippians. He's saying in every way, in every pretense, in truth, Christ is preached. And in this I rejoice and will rejoice. For I know, verse 19, that this will turn out for my deliverance through your prayer and the supply of the Spirit of Jesus Christ. You know, tonight as we continue reading here, you need to get to a place in your walk where you trust God. You need to get in a, to a place in your walk where you trust his word. And you don't question it. You can question me, you can question your wife or husband, you can question your family, your friends, and your job, but you've got to get to a place where you don't question God. And when I say question, I don't mean that you're saying, God, I don't understand. I'm saying that you stop doubting and you start believing, amen? You start really believing that God is who he says he is. And that Jesus is who he came to be and we believe he is. And once you get to that place, your perspective on life changes. How many want to be in that place? You might not be there yet, but I I want you to get to that place where regardless of what you go through, what you see or what you experience, Jesus and your love and your faith for him does not change. That's God's goal that we would have that much trust and that much faith. So it says in verse 19, sorry, 20, according to my earnest expectation and hope that in nothing I shall be ashamed, but with all boldness as always, so now also Christ will be magnified in my body. Listen, whether by life or by death. Are you at that place? Are you at that place that you're okay if you're alive with Christ? or you die in Christ? Are you at that place? He says, for to me is to live is Christ, and to die is gained. For me to live is Christ. Listen, let's let's be honest. Not everybody in here tonight can say that. Well, we can say it, but not everybody in here can say it and mean it, but God wants us to. God wants us to be able to say, listen, alive on this earth, I'm in love with Jesus. Alive on this earth, Jesus is my Lord. Alive on this earth, I'm I'm, I'm happy and I'm satisfied and I understand God's plan for however many days I live or don't live, but also I have to be able to say, for me to die is gain. See, too many people, for them to live is gain. Let me say that again. For too many Christians, to live is gain. But Jesus wants us to say to die is gain. Understanding that this world we live in is not what we're here for. And this is not all it comes down to. Whether it's good or bad, we are passing through, church. This is just a temporary. This this life is temporary compared to eternity. Can we get that understanding tonight? Yes, we're going to have a millennial reign. Yes, we're going to have a new heaven and a new earth. But this is our test. This is our moment where we say, God, whether I live five years or, or 100, I'm going to live for you. I'm going to live with a godly perspective. I'm going to live on fire. I'm going to live in love. And if I'm alive, I'm, it's, it's Christ. And if I die, it's gain. And I want you to be able to get to that place in your spirit where you can say that. I'm not afraid to die. I'm not, I don't I don't, I don't love this world. If you still love this world, let that world go. Let this world go. Amen. Get to the place where Paul was. He says, but if I live in, in, on, in the flesh, this will mean fruit from my labor. Yet what shall I choose? I cannot tell. And, and look, look, this is where God wants us to be. For I'm hard pressed between the two having a desire to, de- to, p- to depart and be with Christ, which is better, far better, actually, he says. Nevertheless, to remain in the flesh is more needful for you. We understand that as long as we're here, God needs us. But at the same time, God wants to be with us. Do you realize that tonight? He needs us, but he wants to be with us. Do you realize that as much as we want to be with Jesus, he wants to be with us? Do you believe that? And you say, well, isn't he with us? Doesn't he live in us? Don't we have this? Of course, but this is not face-to-face. This isn't isn't face-to-face with him. We're we're, we're worshiping him in spirit and truth. We haven't seen him. We haven't touched him. There's going to be a day when we're going to actually see him. There's going to be a day when we're actually going to touch him. Amen? That's the day that we should be longing for. He says, but being confident of this, verse 25, I know that I shall remain and continue with you for progress and your, your joy and your faith and your rejoicing for me may be more abundant in Jesus Christ by my coming to you again. So perspective. A man is sitting on a fence in a country. And a man drives by in the country and sees the man on the fence. So he stops to pass the time of the day. And the traveler says, I could never stand living out here. You don't see anything. And I'm sure you don't travel like I do. I'm on the go all the time. The old man on the fence looks back down at the stranger and says, I can't see much difference in what I'm doing and what you're doing. I sit on the fence and watch the autos go by, and you sit in your auto and watch the fences go by. See, what's the difference? Perspective. Isn't that how we look at things a lot of times, though? Don't we, aren't we quick to say, I don't understand how you can do something like that. Well, I don't understand how you can live like that. Well, I don't understand, it's just perspective. Amen? We need to learn to be able to get into someone else's life. And see things from their view. Do you realize sometimes, many times, when you're dealing with an individual and they're that person at work that you don't like and probably doesn't like you, do you realize that that person has gone through some stuff? Do you realize you don't really know what they've gone through? Do you realize a lot of times at work we're we're with somebody or we're by somebody, we're talking to somebody uh, on a bus or in a store or in a public place that could have just lost a loved one the night before. That could have been just lost their job. I mean, there's so many things that people go through and we don't have a clue what they're going through. But God wants us to get a godly perspective. He wants us to see things the way He sees them. Now, I want you to write down two things tonight as I'm closing up. There's two views that we've got to understand in this world. We have two views. Two very important views. One is temporal. Okay, there's a temporal view and there's an eternal view. I want you to go to 1 John with me quickly. 1 John chapter 2. The quicker you get God's perspective and His view, the quicker you're going to walk in victory more often. 1 John chapter 2. Verse 15, say man, if you're there. Do not love the world or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life is not of the Father, but is of the world. And Watch this and the world is passing away the world is passing away and the lust of it and this goes back to sunday what we studied on sunday but he who does the will of god abides forever he who does the will of god abides forever so there's a temporal view of this world that we have to have. We have to understand that we're not always going to be here. How many, how many get that tonight? If you live to be a hundred years old, like some people do, it's nothing, absolutely nothing in the scheme of eternity. Nothing. So, so it doesn't matter, you know, you might have lost loved ones young, you might have had a brother or sister that died young, you might might be young you might be older wherever you're at in your life you're thinking about life and you're thinking about years and you're thinking about how long you'll live and all these things that we think as human beings and that's totally fine we've got to understand there is something way bigger than my life way bigger and and jesus sorry in the bible god even called it a vapor he called our life a vapor it's here one day and gone the next how many have ever heard the example I, I give about how long eternity is with the, with the dove and the sand? Anybody ever heard that? Well, I don't see a lot of hands, so I'll say it again. Just let me give you a picture of how long eternity is. Over on the Pacific coast in California, a dove flies down and picks up a, a grain of sand. One. Flies all around the world and comes back to the same place and picks up another one, and as he goes sorry I missed the part as he dro- flies around the world on the opposite extreme of the world, he drops sand down in Australia, let's say. Then he goes back and he picks up another one, ro- flies around the world, grabs another thing of sand. How many know that would take a long time for that bird to get the sand off the Pacific coast to Australia? Okay, Flying around the world one sand at a time, one grain. When he got done with that. Eternity would just be beginning. We can't can't even fathom in our minds how long eternity is. Because we're very temporal. Our perspective is very temporal. And that affects us in our walk with God because we don't understand that the problems we're going through are very temporal. Very temporal. Amen? Amen? And we have to understand that even if we had a lifelong problem of problems, it would be very temporal in the grand scheme of eternity. And that's why Paul could say that I have learned to have much or little, to be happy with a lot or little. I've learned to have a godly perspective because he said these chains that I've got around my hands are not going to last forever. And I I consider it very little, this suffering that I'm going through, Paul said, in the scheme of eternity and the glory that's waiting for me. I mean, every time we give up something on this earth, temporarily, we receive it back eternally. See, that would change your perspective. You would say, when you go to pray, you would say, I'm not losing time, I'm gaining time. I, when I go to read the Bible, I'm not losing 20 minutes of my time. I'm gaining eternal time. When I mo- put money in the, in the tithes, I'm not losing money. I'm gaining money in eternity. When I tell someone about Jesus, I'm not wasting my time. I'm, I'm saving someone's soul for eternity. And when we begin to look at life temporarily and eternally, it begins to help us weigh things out and realize what's more important. Philippians three twenty shows us the eternal view I want to read right before I read that I want to read the last part of 17 that I just read for the temporal he says the world is passing away and the lust of it but he who does the will of God abides forever so the eternal view is Philippians three twenty. our citizenship is in heaven how many are citizens of a country here tonight all of us some in the United States some other countries were citizens of a country everybody's a citizen of a country our citizens not citizenship is not here we all have dual citizenship we have a citizenship that's in heaven amen it's eternal and it says Paul says from which we eagerly wait for the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, as I close, I want you to ask yourself that question. Remember, this isn't, uh, hey, what do you think about this? Hey, what do you think about that? No, this is what do you think about this. Do you eagerly wait for the Savior? You don't have to answer me. Just think about that. Are you more excited tonight and focused tonight on what you got in your career coming up or what you got in school coming up or what you got in your plans coming up are you more excited to see Jesus? That's the. I'm not asking you to answer that, but he's saying here, "I eagerly wait for the Savior." Last verse, Hebrews 11, 13 to 16. I'm going to read it. How, how many does that ring a bell? Hebrews 11. What chapter is that? Faith chapter. The Hall of Fame or the Hall of Faith is Hebrews 11, where. He begins to mention all the heroes of the faith and all the things they did. And in there he says this. When he's not talking about Abraham specifically or Enoch or or Moses or Mary or any of the people in the Bible that were awesome and Sarah, people in the Bible that were major heroes, he's not talking about names. He says, in general, these all died in faith. Do you realize tonight that we are walking by faith? faith not by sight these all died in faith not having received the promises it said they had not received you look back at the Old Testament most of them never got to see the promise that they were promised out of disobedience and out of problems they never got to see what the promise was but they died preaching the gospel they died preaching God they died living for the Lord it says but having seen them afar off were assured of them embraced them and confessed that they were strangers and pilgrims on the earth that's one of the biggest problems today church with the church is the church doesn't look or act or think any different than the world can you say amen now, and I mean that generally, again, I'm not talking about ours or any church, And I'm talking about how so many people that claim and confess and profess to be Christians, if you look at them, and I'm not talking about their hairstyle or the color of their skin, I'm talking about their actions and their words, they don't look any different than the world. And what makes us different? There has to be something that makes us different. Yes, it's the Jesus in us, but the Jesus in us will come out outwardly and it will manifest itself and it says they were strangers and pilgrims on the earth you know what that means to me they didn't love this earth they didn't love the politics they didn't love business they didn't love things they enjoyed things there's nothing wrong with enjoying life I'm trying to get you to understand tonight your perspective has got to be eternal and not temporal if you're gonna make it because we all know we're gonna live forever We don't get the choice if we want to live forever we've we've talked about that before none of us get to choose we don't get to choose if you say I don't I don't want to live forever I just want the lights to go out we don't have a choice the lights are not gonna go out you don't just die and breathe your last breath and that's it and that's and you just light. you know it's like you're asleep that don't happen we just get to choose where and with who we're gonna spend eternity and thank God for that choice So he says, we're strangers and pilgrims. I'm finishing. For those who say such things declare plainly that they seek a homeland. Truly, if they had called to mind that country from which they came out, they would have had opportunity to return. I want want y'all to go home and read this later. And I want you to meditate on this. Pretty powerful. But now, they desire a better, that is, a heavenly country a heavenly country therefore god is not ashamed to be called their god for he has prepared a city for them there is a city that is prepared for us tonight church and it is better than any city in this world i don't care what place you visited or what honeymoon you've been on or what place you've gone for vacation There is a city being prepared right now that is eternal. And it is our homeland and our people, not Americans, not Africans, not Hispanics, not Costa Ricans, not Mexicans, not Cubans, not Chinese, not Russian. It's not any of those things. It's an eternal homeland where we're all one people and one nation and one holy priesthood unto God. And if we keep our perspective right, we will want to go to that place. Amen? Musicians, you can come tonight. Temporal view, eternal view. Individually, what are you thinking tonight? Sometimes I wish I could see the circle bubble above your head. I'm sure you wish you could see mine. Amen? Don't you wish you could see the bubble sometimes? What somebody's thinking. But the bottom line is, this is a real deal. And I think sometimes as believers, we don't really realize how real it is. That this, the Bible says that this here that we see that's temporal is not as real as that which we don't see which is eternal Do you realize that tonight that's hard to imagine because when how many have lost someone real close to you You see your hands probably everybody in here has lost someone close to you we struggle with death because this right here this little skin stuff is all we know it's all we know we've touched them we've hugged them we've loved that's all we know so we have a hard time Me and Dylan and Ashley were talking about this last night. We have a hard time getting a perspective that when that person dies in the Lord, they are on the other side. They did not cease to exist. They are in our homeland. They went where we should want to be. They are where we should want to be. Amen. I mean... Eye hasn't seen, ear hasn't heard, neither has it entered heart or heart or thoughts of man the things the Lord has prepared for those who what love Him. So whatever you love on this earth as a human being, that's great. But whatever you love cannot compare, even scratch the surface, as they say. To what God has prepared for us, Amen. How many? How many need need to get that understanding? Because so this is the only life I know. I don't. I don't know what it's going to be like in heaven. I don't. You know, we're we just going to float around. It's going to be better than this. And some people can say, "Man, it can't get any worse." But I think that none of us could say that. I know there's some people in this world that are living some rough lives. Amen? Poverty. Famine. I mean, that's when you look at the news and you can get depressed thinking about the life that other people live. I just saw a post today about 15 or 20 women in some Muslim country being chained and walking around with totally black outfits on, couldn't even see and they were going to kill them because they wouldn't have sex with them. What life is that? And here we sit, saved with our names in the book of life and we're sometimes not excited about eternity and being with Jesus. That's perspective. When you begin to get down or discouraged or frustrated or are going through something, and you get in your little pity party. Just go, go look at the news. Just go find somebody who doesn't have a house, or somebody who's in prison, or somebody who's dying of cancer, and get a perspective. Say, man, I got it pretty good. Hey Amen. I'm not. I'm not being mean. I'm just saying this is a perspective God wants us to have. He wants us to be able to say, in little I'm happy, in much I'm happy. What I have or don't have doesn't move me. Without raising your hands or elbowing somebody next to you, how many know people that when everything's good they're happy, but when everything goes wrong they're very sad. Their lives are totally dependent on what they have. Some people's lives are totally dependent on relationships. They run from relationship to relationship, friendship to friendship. They don't have somebody in their life, they're not happy. God forbid that would be us tonight because we don't need anybody but Jesus. That's when you're really going to walk in victory when you realize all I need is Jesus. Just stand to your feet tonight, amen? How many want to be living that kind of life where all you need is Jesus? Nobody else nothing else my father my mother my brother my sister my wife my kids they can all leave Jesus but I'm not leaving Jesus I love Jesus I'm gonna spend eternity with Jesus I'm gonna finish the race I'm gonna have an eternal view not a temporary view amen you know you got a lot of people in here tonight I'm just thinking of Chris right here he's not the only one many where they're the only one in their family serving God If you're here tonight and you have one family member next to you, you better thank God for somebody else in this church that's in your family that's serving God. Amen? All by himself. He's the only one. And I'm not trying to point out a person. I know there's many in here. Those are little things we need to think about and be thankful for. If your husband or your wife is serving God next to you, be thankful for that. How many people don't have their spouse serving the Lord? if you have your kids in this place thank God for that how many parents, kids are out doing whatever tonight and they would give anything to have their kids in church that's the kind of stuff you got to think about when you begin to get into some kind of little pity party about life you need to begin to have a godly perspective and don't focus on here's what some people do I've got three brothers and sisters and this is this real, I'm just making an example I've got three brothers and sisters and two of them are serving God but one's not and all they do is focus on that one that's not all they do is focus on the they, they, can, they, they lose their joy because of the one that's not doesn't mean you can't pray for them doesn't mean you can't love them and want them to be saved but don't let one person lo- rob your joy don't let one person let you walk around upset, you might be at work and you're like all your coworkers except one why are you letting the one co-worker you don't like ruin your life and ruin your job? Amen? It's perspective. It, I, it, I'm doing something bigger than this. This is small. It's minimal compared to the eternal view that God wants us to have. Father, tonight, give us your perspective. We know that this can only come from you. I can't give it. Nobody else can give it. I can't share it. I can't I can only explain it in your word, and it's your will and your desire that God, we have an eternal view. That, Lord, we are believing for something tonight that we have not seen. We're believing for something tonight we have not touched. All we have tonight, really, deep down inside of us, is a changed life. And that's enough. The miracle of a life that's been changed by God. We have that, we have our testimony. I'm not where I want to be, but I'm not where I used to be. I'm not who I want to be, but I am not who I was. My marriage is not where I want it to be, but I am not in the same marriage I used to be. My walk with you is not where I want it to be, but I'm walking better than I was when I started. That's the perspective God wants you to have tonight.